another episode of Story Screen Presents Cathode Raycast. I'm your host, Bernadette Gorman, and I'm joined today by two lovely lads named... Robert Anderson. And Jack Holodisky. Hello, guys. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for for having us. Oh, you're welcome. You're hosting. (laughs) Well, no, you're hosting. I'm hosting. We're just in my room. Yes. (laughs) How intimate. Yes, that's how I like it. Uh, Today we have gathered to talk about the Netflix hit... The End of the Effing World, which we all very much enjoyed. Let's it, talk about the title here. For is a it effing or is it, fu- is it fucking? I say fucking. I think Do it's you? fucking. Yeah. You, you think it's effing. Well, You're the first person I've heard who said it. I pronounce those stars like uck. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's why you read them. That's in every situation. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I couldn't make up my mind and I'd been thinking about it and I feel like calling it the end of the effing world kind of plays with the themes happening within the show. A little playfully for me. Okay. And I really enjoy that aspect. I think there are teenagers who think they're harder than what they actually are. Mm, so just say like effing. So I, I feel like the censoring of the title, it could be interpreted either way. I think you could say it either way and the characters would be like, you got it, dude. Yeah. But I think that's an interesting interpretation. I haven't like thought about it that. Yeah, way, that's way I like more. That. Th- I just like saying fucking. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're Absolutely. like, we're a bunch of crass, crass yeah. lads, you know. Lovely lads. Although I did have a conversation rude. with my my boss at work about it, and I said effing in that situation because well, I, well, I that's the one person at work I do not say fuck words in, in front of. Fuck, fuck words. Fucking <laughs> fucked. Fucking. Fuck tard. Fuck tard. There are many, many. <laughs> what? There are many variations of of the, the fuck, fuck word. of the fuck word. Absolutely. Sunny. So ultimately, before we get any further into this, we just want to warn you listeners that since it is essentially a two-hour program, we don't really need two halves of a podcast to really discuss yeah, it. So it's we're just going to get into it. We're just going to start talking and just know that if you haven't watched it by now, probably go home and watch it and then come back to this podcast and give it a listen. Yeah, that's the most common thing I've heard from people is like, oh yeah, I sat down and watched the whole thing in one go. And it's like, yeah, it's two hours long. Like, it's that's shorter not a, than most movies. It's all right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's eight 20 minute episodes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're all super bite-sized and there's kind of show that's just like, yeah, Netflix, roll the next one. Let's go. I want and to see what happens Netflix to these kids. really has cropped it down to like maybe five seconds before they start rolling the next episode. Oh like, you can make it shorter it used to be, if you want. It like. used to be like 30 seconds. Now they're just like, you're good, right? Let's go. Now you can like start watching the show on Netflix and they say, skip opening credits. It's like, let's get to the content. That I'm not, as, that I'm not, I'm into. not always oh, I'm not into that. that. Yeah. I, sometimes I do want to, I want to see the intro bit. Especially well, for um, see it every time, Stranger yeah. Things. I think yes, is one where I'm like, give me, yeah. like if you skip that, you're an animal. Yeah. Also, just watched American Vandal. That's a great intro. Oh my bit. god, it's, it's very so good. good. I haven't watched that yet. It's really? Yeah. yeah. You're going to like it. It's a good intro. You're going to like it. Okay. The rest I'll of the program is also good, but the intro <laughs> bit is. Yeah, so the whole good. thing is good. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, The End of the Fucking World, or The Effing World, uh, is a story about two teenagers who do not fit in. This is a grand scope. And they go on a journey, and you find out things about them and their families, and more things about them as the story goes on. Uh, but it was based originally off of a pilot shot in 2014, and it was uh-huh. one episode, and the only character who resumed the same role was Alyssa. 
Oh, really? The main female protagonist. Interesting. That is interesting. So I'm kind of glad that they recast because this cast is so solid it's great. together. Everyone's yeah, great. Yeah, it's a really good cast. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of very recognizable British faces uh, involved. <laughs> Sunny. If you guys can hear the sound of a whining dog, that is our whining dog named Sunny. <laughs> that's, that's me, actually. That's actually oh. Jack. Yeah. He needs a DiGiorno pizza right away. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I love the cast in this. I think Alyssa and uh, and James are both great leads. Um, we were talking about this a little bit before. Um, Alyssa uh, was in The Lobster? Yes. Yes. She but she plays the, a character who seems a lot older. She Yeah, she does seem a lot older in The Lobster, even though The Lobster came out a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And in this show, she's supposed to be like 16, 17-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's just got one of those faces, I think, like, the freckles probably help, but she's got one of those faces yeah. that looks very young. But we just yeah. also just found out that she's, like, our age. She's, like, yeah, exactly. She's, like, she's 26, like 26, I think. years old, yeah. yeah. Right. So, Definitely uh, age ambiguous. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. She could probably play a teenager for another good five years. Oh, yeah, yeah, and definitely. And be passable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she pulls yeah. it off. But it did recontextualize her role in the, the Lobster for me, because she, um, gets involved with that guy... Um, oh. What's that actor's name? Ben Wishall. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. a second, I was like, it's not John C. Riley, right? No, 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 weird. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's Q from. Which, Bob. like, you don't. I don't really think you like think twice of it in that context while you're watching The Lobster, but right. to see her like acting as a 17 year old, and I think they do a really good job in the show of like, by the way she dresses and like her makeup and her hair and stuff, like she looks like a 17 year old for sure, mm-hmm. um, and she certainly acts like one and. When you think about the lobster and her role in it after seeing her as a 17-year-old, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> what have you done? Oh, no. Oh, and that was yeah. like several years ago. Innocence. Oh, no. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I guess she's just timeless. Yeah, she is. Absolutely. I think the red hair helps. Sonny is you're currently crawling on top of Bernadette right now. <laughs> and Bernadette is doing her damnedest to hold oh, it together. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, she's just so cute. Uh, yeah, I think their ages specifically while watching this program. So when you watch the trailer for The yeah. End of the Fucking World, I immediately was drawn to the James character. I thought he was going to be much more interesting than the Alyssa character. Mm-hmm. Well, his, his introduction is, like, is much more Oh, yeah, where it's like, I think I'm a psychopath. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I, you got me. I'm interested now. Well, to set exactly. this up, go ahead, Bernadette. Set it up with James because like, he is kind of the driver of most of the things that go on, at least initially. And then once Alyssa jumps in, um, it's both of them kind of forging their, their trip here. Yeah. Right. It definitely caught my interest early on that this little like lanky 17 year old says, I've been killing animals for years now. I think I'm ready to move on to my next target. Right. And And targets her. Right. So he thinks he, he self diagnoses himself as a psychopath mm-hmm. um which i think is really the interesting part of the show is kind of the way that these characters have their own interpretations of themselves in their own head and they've like built up themselves in their own head a certain way and as they go on and as we learn more about these characters and they learn a lot more about themselves both through each other and through the experiences that they're having they realize like you know this kind of self-identity that they have is they realize sort of the reasons that the self-identity is the way it is especially in James's case and the way that he sees himself as a psychopath. Um, but it's it's really interesting the way, the arc that these characters take over the course of the show. Yeah. And uh, um, Alex Lothar is the name of the, the actor that plays James. And I, he's re- he is also recognizable from, uh, from Black Mirror, from oh, the right. Shut Up and Dance episode of Black Mirror, 
where he also plays kind of a creepy high school kid. Um, he wears it well. He does. He does, but I, I, I like how also the, through his arc on the show, he kind of starts that way very much so and kind of develops and comes out of his shell <clears throat> over the course of the show. I will say I, I watched it again last night and not as hard as the as the first viewing. I kind of like had it on just like as a refresher while I was doing some stuff. But I will say uh, some of the impacts of like not knowing like what his character is capable of yeah uh watching it a second time definitely like those moments don't have as much of an impact to them because the first time you're watching you're just like is he gonna fucking kill that girl like what's well, yeah. going on i mean they play with that the whole time they play with the whole time and like, then oh, is this a moment and you get once you get into like kind of the middle of the or like once he kind of admits that he has feelings for her you kind of realize that his character is not going the trajectory that you may have thought the show was leading him on. Or that he thought he was leading himself on. Also true, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's really interesting to see these characters play off of each other so well, because at the beginning, you think that James is the type who doesn't need anyone in his life. He's ready to just kind of disassociate from Mm -hmm. everyone, Mm -hmm. even his own dad. But the more time he spends with Alyssa, he's the one who needs her. Whereas Alyssa's kind of aloof, and she enjoys spending time with him, and she starts to kind of fall for him, but in a way that girls do at that age, where right. they're like, oh, I've been waiting to feel this way, and this must be what it is. Yeah. But she's so focused on getting to her dad, because her home life with her mom isn't what she wants, and so she basically escapes to go find her dad. Yeah. And she gets in this space around, like, more than midway through the series, about a couple episodes before it's over, she's like not even thinking of James at all. Mm-hmm. And then she has this, like, click moment after she steals, like, the bra and the panties from that small convenience store. Yeah. And she realizes, like, I should go back to him. Right. And it's fun to see these characters who, at the beginning of the show, seemed the exact opposite. Like, she would definitely lean on him more. Yeah. But it wasn't the case. And them just learning more about each other, yeah, helps them learn more about themselves. It's kind of the same thing that I'm sure we all experienced when we went to college. And we're like, oh, we're around new people. We're learning new things about ourselves. We're like, we needed that jump start. And, and also, like, also the like affront to yourself that like, oh, I think I, I think I got myself figured out. Right. I think I know exactly who I am and blah, blah. And you realize, you know, every year you realize when you look back, I was fucking wrong. I'm not the person I thought I was. I have all these weird weaknesses and insecurities, and also these strengths I didn't know I had in the first place. Well, and for both yeah. of these characters, so much of the perception that they have of themselves is due to trauma that they've experienced in their own home lives yeah in the case of james especially he is he sees himself as a psychopath he sees himself as as disassociated from humans because he as at a young age he witnessed his mother kill herself and he has disassociated himself from other people as a self-defense mechanism in order to repress the emotions and the feelings that he experienced from seeing something that traumatic that early on Mm -hmm. and it's him his protective bubble um to to hide from those emotions that has led them down the path of thinking that he has no human empathy or connection to other people and that's why he has convinced himself that he's a psychopath just because he's trying to protect himself and it's like you said it's the these characters come at each other having a certain idea of themselves and through each other realize the opposite of what they thought was true right um but in james's perspective uh, in james's case in in the first place i think it's interesting that he starts the show saying i'm pretty sure i'm a psychopath 
which yeah. I'm, I'm by no means like a psychology expert, but as far as I know, part of being a psychopath is you are unaware of what you're doing as wrong. Right. And the fact that from the very beginning, James identifies that he thinks he's a psychopath, I think from the psychological perspective would exclude him from being a psychopath. I think that would immediately break that diagnosis. Right. Like the cognizance alone. Exactly. Being self-aware of what he's doing, I think would make him not eligible of being a psychopath. Right. Right. I agree with you. Yeah. The self-diagnosis is where he's instantly wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And then you remember, oh yeah, these are 17 year old kids. Right. And like, like you said, like Robbie said, it's like, that having this idea of yourself in your head as a 17-year-old and then looking back on it and be like, no, I was fucking wrong because <laughs> yeah. they don't have experience. Right, right. It took him just like, you know, having this weird... It, it took them escaping the paradigms that they weren't comfortable in to learn what they needed to learn about themselves, mm-hmm. which is like what good character growth in a show is. But I think that totally makes sense. And I think that's why college is a good thing to kind of bring up because college is like when you leave home for the first time mm-hmm. and you kind of get you know, put into a system that's a little similar, but very different. And uh, they kind of force themselves into this very adult scenario, this Bonnie and Clyde-ish fantasy. And uh, they learn, you know, everything that you learn about them during the course of the season. In a way, it's their own, like, kind of... I mean, the most important part of college is get, getting out of the nest in the first place. And they're, yeah. do, right. they're putting that on themselves. Right. So it's through this kind of journey of self-discovery that they're figuring this stuff mm-hmm. out. In the same way that you would if you were to leave and go, go off to school. Definitely. So. Right. Yeah, it's... Uh, there's going to be a second season. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. I wonder they, what's going on with that. They have... Yeah, um, sure. There's interest in the showrunner, apparently. Uh, they went back to the... Um, author the original graphic novel mm-hmm. based on a, you said did you say that at the top or no? I did not did. no I said that it was shot as a pilot back in 2014 but right, you're right that's it right. is yes. based off of it's, yeah it's novel. based off of a graphic novel and I guess um, the writer of that graphic novel had written um, the first book that is this story um, and ended it with James being shot and okay. Did not go any further after that, but I guess the lead showrunners for um, this series kind of went back to that showrunner and or to the writer and said, like, we did this and it's very, very popular and very, very successful and we would like to do more. Do you have, like, ideas for, like, pushing this further or going, continuing the story? And I guess he had all these notes already kind of ready to go. Yeah. So. Well, that's, that's <clears throat> exciting. Because, yes, when we first start and we're talking about the character growth between James and Alyssa and together, uh, going back to the beginning, you see James as a character who might not have ever left the nest, sadly mm-hmm. enough, if it hadn't been for Alyssa saying, come with me on this journey. And his kind of lust to murder her. Right. Or like morbid curiosity, you know. Right. Which is so heartbreaking, too, because James needed that to get over this apathy and this disassociation entirely and seeing his character growth throughout the episode, learning things about himself that he didn't already know. But especially there are little beats that I've really enjoyed, like the beat at the house where he just waits for her Mm -hmm. Uh, when they're sorry, when they break into this stranger's house to stay the night, Alyssa gets fed up and leaves. Yeah, after a not-so-successful sexual advance. Yeah. Yes. And leaves and comes back with another guy, but 
James is loyal and he stays. Oh, he has um, the fl- the pot of flowers in yes, his hands. Yeah. Make amends. He's like, I want to be a nice boy. <laughs> <laughs> and then even the scene before that, when they are at the diner with someone that they have hitchhiked with, and oh, she yeah, finds that scene. James and the driver in the bathroom, and the driver is making a sexual advance on yeah. James. And Alyssa is so curious. She's like, well, are you gay? Yeah. And James says no. So it's really sad to have seen a character who just let things happen to him. Mm-hmm. finally open up and take agency in his own life because that's all Alyssa was was agency yeah but she didn't have the self-restraint yeah so. i totally agree um yeah. it, it is sad but it's also i you know james's character is so interesting because and i think we'll get into like season two predictions later but i think right. that to see he's a character that lets things happen to him and the things that are happening to him with Alyssa. At first, it's him wanting to kill her, and that's what, like, brings him, kind of has him coast on this journey. But then, like, you know, when you see, uh, yeah, the the guy who picks them up when they're hitchhiking, like, you know, grab his, grab his, she's in the It's, you know, there's a lot to kind of, like, digest about that scene. And it's like, you know, he's like, I think he says in his inner monologue, which is, like, how both characters, like, that's, like, how you get to know them is that they both have these like really beautifully eloquent inner monologues throughout the entire season. It's so great that they both have inner monologues as well. That it's yeah. both these characters, and they're both yes. so fleshed out and well written. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. both they're both leads. Yeah. It's not like Absolutely. just James or just Alyssa is the lead. Mm-hmm. They both. I think it's a great balance of them equally sharing the lead roles. Yeah, absolutely, and. Yeah, it's almost tough for me to understand, like, what to make of, like, a character who just, like, lets things happen to him, but then eventually, like, does, like, a complete 180. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes me think that, I was thinking, like, towards the end of the season, like, so let's, for example, say he he gets shot but doesn't die, and now he, he, as a child, now he's growing more bitter and growing angrier that these things are up against him and he's becoming less shy, maybe these, like sociopathic tendencies start to like bubble and rise again into his character and you know i i don't think that someone who does these things can do a full 180 and like totally kind of heal themselves psychologically from the damage they've done during their whole childhood right it's almost as if his character was essentially dead the whole Mm. time and you have these little moments of where he and Alyssa are stealing his dad's car Mm -hmm. and then he punches his dad and like little moments of like awakening. And it's like warm bodies, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And he has like little example. moments of like aggression, mm-hmm. and then it lulls again, and he's like back in his slumber. Yeah. Almost like in a coffin. Mm-hmm. He's like breaking out slowly. Yeah. And then finally, at the end of this season, yeah, that's when he's like fully alive, making choices for himself entirely. Yeah. Well, and that's part of his his self protection mechanism is. <clears throat> shutting himself off to the world and not making these decisions and just kind of going through doing just whatever happens Emotions, to him rather yeah. than actually like have, making decisions and doing what he wants to do and understanding what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. So, and it's through him like realizing the impact that seeing his mother kill himself actually had and like yeah. connecting with another person that like led him to kind of come out of that shell. Yeah, I think this show also did a great job of showing how a family member who means well, and his dad has been trying to help him cope with this yeah. for years, Yeah. but even though he means well and he's loving, how damaging that can also be, Yeah. because they're trying to 
make sure you don't feel those hard feelings when James should have been feeling those hard feelings. Yeah. So it's also not necessarily his dad's fault that his dad did not aid him. Yeah, his dad is an interesting character because he is not your kind of stereotypical, like, abusive parent or, like, neglectful parent. Like, he just kind of seems like an idiot. Like, he's, but he, he means well, like you said, but he just is not giving James what he really needs to deal with that sort of trauma. I think he's, he's a character who is just doing what he thinks is good for the kid, but he does, doesn't know any better because, yeah, Him and James don't have a dialogue with each other because James right. is not going to talk and the dad doesn't know how to talk to a kid who he thinks is kind of weird. Like, right. I think a lot of people, I know I can relate to, like, you know, a parent or family member, like, they just don't get you. And you resent them from not getting you. And then when they try to get you, you're just like, fuck off. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, I hate how much you're Why trying. is that music so loud? You don't get me, dad. Would you, <laughs> hey, how was school? I don't know, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, Whoa. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what being a teenager's like. Yeah. Right. And then right. you punched your dad and stole his car. If I punched my dad, he would snap oh my, my neck. Because he's in the middle. Yeah, my dad would murder Your dad me. would grab your fist out of the air and just crush your hand. Oh, yeah, just turn dust. me into fucking dust. Yeah. yeah. But, um... If I could fight him, I probably still wouldn't. <laughs> That's probably the right choice. Yeah, he just kicked my ass. But I think, like, you know, it's easy to grow resentment for your parents, like, already and having, right. like, you know, a dad who's dealing with his wife uh, committing suicide and he's, he's just giving this, like, troubled child who's been troubled his whole life, like, to try and fix that. It's like, I just don't know... What that character could have done to make things better. Don't buy your kid a hunting knife, probably. Probably not. They don't really go too far into the impact that uh, James's mother killing herself had on on him, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Phil, character's name. I mean, I think that he was kind of oblivious to everything, which is why he wasn't... Possibly why his wife killed himself. Yeah, because I think that, like... I I think his wife clearly had, like, depression, something. She was not happy. Yeah. And he seems so oblivious to everything that I think he was probably oblivious to her mental state. Yeah. I think he knew. Yeah. I think in one of those flashbacks, we do see him saying like, well, James wants to go see the ducks. Can we handle the ducks today? And Uh, she does say, I don't think so. He was like, it's just ducks. Right. So I think he gets it. He has some idea. He has an idea. But he doesn't understand. But he doesn't necessarily. get it, get it. Yeah. yeah, I think he's trying to make sure that he has another partner in raising his child mm-hmm. and is maybe a little bit too concerned with that to give her the space she needed to heal. Right, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's totally fair. I got very strong uh, About a Boy vibes. I haven't seen that. Uh, which is about a, a son who grows up with his mother and the dad's never been around, and his mother deals with depression. Oh, okay. Also dealing with ducks. So I feel huh. kind of similar things were going on. Yeah, I mean, they, they set James up to be, um, and obviously they're going to build off, uh, you know, maybe tropes or, you know, known facts about other serial killers. He's very Dahmer-esque, um, especially after just seeing My Friend Dahmer. There's a lot of, um, I think, things that they pulled from, you know, like, children with a history of abusing animals usually grow up into being blah 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 or like having problems with their mothers grow up into blah 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 yeah very telltale signs as so early serial killer i think they did that with dexter Dexter as well yeah definitely and like his mom dying and him like witnessing it like that you know does something to you 
But that's why, you know, that's what's so cool about his character that he, through, you know, all the things that would make him into a psychopath, he, in a way, without maybe knowing those things I just mentioned, he's just like, no, I'm definitely, like, a sociopath. I'm definitely a psychopath. But he still finds the humanity within himself and he still, you know, overcomes himself and, you know, he becomes a totally different person. later in the show you know very much so yeah i really like the juxtaposition between the two sets of parents uh james's dad phil yep who has almost been too overbearing since the loss of the mom Mm -hmm. and then seeing Alyssa's mom and her parents split up when she was very young her dad has always been kind of like this fantasy man to her Mm. And her mom Gwen got remarried to this awful man named Tony, and yes, like, but really, but really good on paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really good on paper, absolutely. <laughs> and Gwen gets remarried. They have a set of twins later on, so it's like she's restarting her life. So to see James's dad, who's like a little bit too much in his space, and then seeing the opposite of that in Gwen, and that she's like only kind of thought about making herself feel better. She's trying yeah. to reboot her life. I think it's right. Alyssa's like a bad seed from that past. Yeah, absolutely. It's important to dig into Alyssa's home life because it's really both James and Alyssa's home life that drives them to leave and then go yeah. on this path of self-discovery. But I mean, even the cops, like the the one uh, I forget her name, but uh, she when she confronts them it's, in it's the Eunice and Terry are the two cops. So So good cop or bad cop? Are you thinking Good Eunice? cop. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Eunice <laughs> when she's in the trailer she's like your parents are shit, aren't they? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's that's the saddest thing about the show is that like these kids have problems but their home lives are complete trash so they finally get out and you know they're not doing the right thing by stealing cars and stealing shit but they're like happy. Yeah. And then they get confronted by more real world diversity in like the most serious of ways where you have this like you know they run into what the future of james could have been which is like a serial killer yeah you know woman abuser and james eventually gets what he wants which is a kill Mm -hmm. and then that's what makes him realize that does that's not what i want (laughs) and um but they just keep the show is so sad and the only thing that makes you happy when you watch it is these two people talk to each other and then when they are falling in love in a real way you're like Mm -hmm. yeah and they take that away from you too you know yeah Mm -hmm. i want to dig more into uh into Alyssa's parents though and her home life before we move on because we definitely spent some good time talking about james and his dad and his mom but yeah i think it's it's important to see Alyssa's relationship with her mom and with uh What's the other guy's name? What's the... Tony. Tony, yeah. Mm -hmm. Tony, who is shitty in every possible way to Alyssa. Oh, he's a monster. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and her mom, who is complicit in the way that she just never stands up for Alyssa at any point. Turns a blind eye to her. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Tony kind of encroaches in there and pushes Alyssa out. Um, while also managing to be gross at the same time. He manages yes. to, like, sexually advance on her and also get her to leave. Yes. Which is yes. like, wow. Which, incredible. <laughs> I mean, sexually advancing on her is probably a, a reason to make her leave. to yeah. make her leave. For sure. Um, I mean, there's definitely a really uh, good thing that Alyssa is this angsty teenage, mm-hmm. teenager, because I could see this going the opposite way. Where, like, maybe she a took less the passive, willful... Yeah, she took the passive role. It right, yeah. teenager could have, like, actually succumbed to Tony's advances because she wouldn't know what to much do. Much like so James... Much like when James gets assaulted by exactly. the... Uh, the 
What do you call someone who picks up a hitchhiker? Yeah, that's a good... Um, Is there a term for that guy? I'm not sure. Um, weirdo? Hitchtaker? Hitchtaker? That sounds good to me. Yeah, I like it. Hitchhiker, hitchtaker? It's the carrier, but that doesn't really make sense either. No. Hitchtaker. The driver? Maybe. The chauffeur? The wheel. The chauffeur? The wheel man. You become Maybe. very... You become very... Uh, the transporter. Yes. The transporter. <laughs> <laughs> you ready to go somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> Never look in the trunk. <laughs> But it's a shame, too, to see Tony uh, have these twins that he also doesn't really seem to actually take care of. Yeah. So it's like Tony only wants the idea of what... Cookie Cutter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. And the stepdaughter, like, he's doing a good deed for society that he has a stepdaughter. But none of the actual associated responsibility. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, Yeah, he's not interested in that. And poor Gwen, it's like she's just shut herself down entirely. It's I poor. Think. It's poor Gwen to a certain extent, but it's also like when Get you your see. Shit together. It's like when you see where Alyssa ends up. It's just like it's yeah, a, that she's still you, shitty. You're mom, a terrible you know? mom because yeah. you don't have any sort of care for your daughter whatsoever. Well, because I think right. I think you know I think the real villain in that family is Leslie, and the damage that he did not only to Alyssa by leaving, but there's clearly some heavy damage that he does to every woman who he impregnates and then leaves yeah um which is apparently a few yeah. and it's it's just really terrible and, and like not to make the mom not be culpable in what's happening but like clearly something happened and leslie did a number on her and like she has she probably resents Alyssa for having yeah. half yeah. that blood in her you know and yeah she it, sees, and it sucks yeah. she sees him in her exactly Absolutely. yeah and that's that definitely drives that resentment yeah yeah, I could also see that woman being in a position where she kind of takes the first nice guy, seemingly nice guy who came along, right. and that might have been Tony. Right. And, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, he's the polar sure opposite of you know, reveals of himself to be not yeah. Yeah. that nice. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Well, I, I guess what was Leslie saying? Like one of the last things, like you're just like your mom. You have shit taste in men. Yeah. <laughs> it's like well. James turned out to be nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's there's so many. James is still a boy. He's yes. becoming a good man. We'll hopefully. see. <laughs> there's that reoccurring so. theme of expectation versus reality mm-hmm. in a person, mm-hmm. in all of the characters, because they're presented Even like the side characters. Exactly, yeah. they're presented one way to begin with. Like when they first meet Leslie, he seems like super cool dad. Super mm-hmm. cool, hard yoga dad. Yeah. Uh, and Maybe then, a little aloof, maybe a little rock and roll. Exactly. But... And then, you know, an episode later, he runs over a dog. Trying to, like, shirk responsibility for his own daughter. So, like, all of these characters, like, present themselves one way to begin with. And then you, as soon as you actually get to see more of their, their personality, their true character, they they change. The flaws are there. Or sometimes the redeeming qualities are there. Exactly. Absolutely. You know? yeah, yeah. Depending on what end of the spectrum they come in right. from in the first place. I agree. So. And it, it feels like a cast that is very fleshed out because of that. I like it because I think the cast is overall very small. It is compared to a lot of shows. And I think in two hours, like, and you know, we'll, we'll touch on the good cop, bad cops probably soon, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, they have just as much, they have a really great arc in the show as well, you know, and and they're super interesting, you know, I think we should touch on them right now. Ooh. Yeah, and we go down Alyssa's parentage and, and all that jazz. Um, maybe we'll get, come back to Leslie. Yeah, for sure. Because I think we definitely like the there's capping. more to talk to about Agreed. that, especially towards the but end. He's of definitely, the story yeah, but he's definitely like last last act of the season. Yeah, for sure. I think with a lot of side characters, typically in television and in films, 
is that when you see them, you can't believe that they have a life existing mm-hmm. outside of the story that you are seeing. Yeah. But yeah, with the cops... Especially when it comes to detectives, like in a story like this. Like, absolutely. They are usually the sort of antagonistic force, and they don't have like their own, you know desires and well, it's like being a pi and like a noir story it's like they exist to do this one journey yeah well they they exist to be an antagonist for your main main characters and in this case like with you've got the big cop, good cop bad cop kind yeah. of roles like they they have those roles but also they have their own like personalities and their own interests and their own things going on behind that yeah definitely to see them have a rapport with each other which isn't always great is very nice to yeah. see. Well, they, even though they're still friends. They, you know, they introduce this thing right off the bat with these two, with uh, Terry and Eunice, with uh, there's this sexual tension that they right. have. Right. And by, I think by injecting this, like, kind of history that the characters have between each other, that you, is it's never explicitly said, but it's, like, very uncovered as the show continues. It makes these, you know, ancillary side characters so much more interesting and it's kind of a technique i haven't i can't really pinpoint or think of in too many other shows where it's like you have these characters who who have a role in the show you need they need to be chased by the law these you know Alyssa and james need to be chased by the law because they're doing bad things while they're out there right and they're also kids on the run but to have the law be like these other you know outsiders in a sense just people yeah but they're also like two queer women who you know, also are in a position of power who are also chasing these kids, like... Who have different points of view. Who have different points of view. Exactly. And, yeah. like, by giving them this, like, kind of untold history that the audience has to infer, I think that's, like, such a good way to introduce a side character. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. this, it's not an air of mystery. This doesn't go so deep into that, but it's kind of, like... These what's going exist. on? What's going on? They have, they have yeah. lives outside of their jobs. Right. And outside of, like, their main goal in the story. Like, they have... And it, it's good how nuanced they are with portraying their outside lives. Because like you said, they kind of, there is this tension there and they like come back to it and pay some time to it with them talking back and forth about what happened. But they never necessarily resolve it between the two so much. And they never dig deeper into it. They just kind of leave it there as a way to make them feel more fleshed out and more human. Yeah. Make some of their motivations make more sense. Yeah, you know, definitely. I think a lot of times when you get characters such as these in any type of work, it's kind of like the writers give you like bullet points of like what you should know about these people, and mm-hmm. that's all they do. Right. And here it's not just bullet points. It's right. like a full outline of right. character development before you even meet them, which is wonderful. And they let the characters' actions fill in that history and the, that perspective like for themselves rather than just like telling you oh these two have had a relationship they like let that kind of naturally come about by the way that they interact with each other while they're on their job absolutely show don't tell yeah Yeah. it uh, works (laughs) people really people really like it when you do that Gemma Whalen um, who plays Eunice good cop Mm -hmm. uh, totally unrecognizable for me at first at least from her role on Game of Thrones Uh, I wouldn't know yeah, I don't watch a lot of Game of Thrones. She's um I watch zero. Shit, she's um boy, Game of Thrones name Captain not Captain Phasma. My, which, which is she is she Captain she's Phasma? Not Captain Phasma. <laughs> she's um she's uh she's Kylo Ren. What's her name's what's his name's sister? Oh, is she Asha? Uh no, she's not Asha. She's um boy. 
I've seen like Goodness. through season halfway through season two of Game of Thrones because I'm a book reader. I'm a Song of Ice and Fire person. Oh, see, I have like Rather zero. Than a game of I have very yeah, zero knowledge. Well, um, you're well, getting the better end of the stick right now. The show is yeah, the show's gone <laughs> real bad, but that's neither here nor there. Yara, that's it. Oh. Yara Greyjoy. She's a, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Her name's Greyjoy. Yeah. Yeah, don't, so, don't start not, that come now. On. Don't start that now. Sorry, so, Jack, like, in the shit. book, her name is Asha. They changed her name for the show. To Yara? To Yara. Oh, weird. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So, it was the right character that I was thinking of. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, well, nice. there you go. Yeah. yeah. We're all on the same page, except for maybe me. <laughs> yeah. Don't keep your, maintain your innocence. Honestly, probably. dude, I'm, I'm... It's the wave has come and gone. I don't need to jump on no, this Game yeah. of Thrones train. Especially, it's yeah. not even going to end for another year. Yeah, so. give me some other weird night shit. Some other yeah. weird. Yeah, I could use some other yeah. weird night shit. Yeah, I like medieval stuff sometimes. We're getting some weird like Lord of the Rings. Yo, soon, see, right? I'm not, I can I can fuck with that. I think is it's an HBO miniseries or Amazon maybe. Okay, yeah. I'll watch the, I'll watch I'll the shit watch out of that. Yeah, especially you like do a little bit of Hobbit in there. Well, yeah, sprinkle that in there. Yeah, I'll take some of that. Kirsten has never seen my girlfriend who I love. Uh, has never seen Lord of the Rings. Oh my god! Because I made a wow. joke when we first started dating. I made a joke. I was like, "Keep it secret. Keep it safe." She's like, "What does that mean?" I was like, "What? What? <laughs> what?" <laughs> so. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I got like nine hours to really to impart on her. Yes. <laughs> One that's day. a day. One day I'll ruin her life yeah. with Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's oh, a man. marathon. She'll she'll understand. You got ahead of you. Mm. Her third eye will just open. Yeah, she'll fi- <laughs> she'll oh. she'll finally see what the fabric of the universe looks like, <laughs> yes. like we all do. <laughs> Those movies you can still go back to though. They're still great, the yeah. So and I have the director cuts. Yeah, the extended. Yeah, 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 yeah. so that's actually twelve hours. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <Get> ready. <laughs> but the cops, uh, have we? Touched all the bases? Were there any I mean, other things? You, you know, st- strong queer women cops is just super cool. Just yeah. on paper, it's just like, and the thing is, like, their diversity and sexual orientation never feels like the point. Uh-huh. And I think that is like one of the most nuanced interpretations of characters like that that I've seen so far. Yeah, where they're literally just like. They are queer characters. They are women. They're in positions of power on law enforcement teams. And they're the only law enforcement we really see. Right. And no one's making a fuss about it. Even in the context of the show, no one's being like, wow, you really climbed the ranks for a lady. It's like, it's just not even a thing. And maybe like the UK is a little bit more progressive than we are with things like that in the media. I don't know. But I think they are. Yeah. But it just, it, I remember just seeing it and being like, this is so cool because like it's, it's not a thing, and the fact they had a relationship just feels so natural. Not even a relationship, the fact that they, like, it seems to be they had a one-night stand. Yes. Having a few drinks after, you know, nabbing some perps. Right. As we all, as as do. We all do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I recently finished this uh, sci-fi series called Happy, which we oh, could yeah, is that uh, Is that good? Is that... I really enjoyed it. Okay. And I did not like, uh, what was that movie, Crank? And some of the same guy who did Crank. Oh, oh, really? Right. Okay. And I really enjoyed Happy. But anyway, there is a scene in that show as well where there's one female cop and two other female cops, and they're all kind of dirty cops. Uh, and I was like, damn, Heath, like, things are getting real. We're seeing, like, women law enforcement more and more frequently, and yeah. it's not a thing. People I mean, when you mention see, it. When so you see, nice. like, a lady cop in RoboCop, it's like, that was, like, a big deal. It's like, wow, in the future, yeah, there's going to be lady cops. <laughs> <laughs> but they won't be in, like, too much. They're just an officer. But, like, 
you know, she was even in, in the context of Robocop, like she's like a really strong female character in that sense as well, you know. Right, right. If we were yeah. to get a season two, I would definitely want to see more Terry and Eunice. I think uh, I think we I would. would. You know. Definitely like to see their characters fleshed out even more. Yeah. Um, see more of them. Because I feel like if there's going to be a season two, if James survives getting shot, Alyssa and James are going to need somehow to get out of hot water. So season two is not just them going to prison. Um, and yeah. I think Eunice is the avenue to get them out of that trouble. I mean, really yes. only one of them would probably go to prison. I think Alyssa, if they wanted to, they could pin a lot on both. Yeah, of those but I think the way that so. the, sh- the I think the way that the show would like take it would be like James would take the fall and, and like be like, she just she just came along for I made her do blah 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 and she'd be like James you're lying it's like you have Stockholm syndrome I don't know. I mean yeah. they they've racked up a number of crimes. They knocked over a, a gas station by the way. That is true. Speaking there's of, enough there's enough to pin on her as well. Speaking of Lord of the Rings, uh, <laughs> oh, another gosh. great character oh, yeah. <laughs> that we have totally forgotten about. Up Mr. Until this uh, point. Mr. Frodo. Frodo. Frodo Baggins makes an appearance. As no, the not Frodo Baggins. Just Frodo. Uh, you, don't, you don't know. Just Frodo. You don't know what his, don't know his last, last name, name is. is. I guess it's a case of more. I think, bad he, would have, I think he would have mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that I think we're, so we're right about at that. I mean, the books are much older, but we're right about at that point where like a. Uh, 15, 16 year old could definitely have been named Frodo after like that Lord of the Rings create. When did right. the first Lord of the Rings movie come out? Uh, two. That was it. Yeah, I feel like I was like in seventh grade or. I was. Maybe. Was I that young then? Because you're a little bit older grade. than me. Because I remember I was in middle school when I watched Fellowship of the Ring for the first time, yeah. but it was on DVD. So yeah, so if so. it was very early 2000s, you could definitely have a kid named Frodo after oh, those movies. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And being like in his early This is my son, teens. Legolas. Yeah. <laughs> or Legolas. So I don't know. Who's, who could say? Lego Floss. It's up to you, I guess. It's this is my son, son Lego Floss. <laughs> wow. That's it even worse. took me to Legos and flossing. And but... my teeth are so healthy. <laughs> yes. He's very creative and he has very, very clean very, teeth. Very, very clean teeth. Oh, poor Frodo. Though, yeah, just he's great though. He wanted third. to be. He's, he wanted to be the third wheel. <laughs> he did. He <laughs> really debauchery. was excited about it. Yeah. It's like, all right, where are we going next? Uh, <laughs> Frodo, you're so too good. young. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think my favorite scene with before we leave the cops. Uh, I think my favorite scene with them is when they're in the the motel or the hotel, and the Holiday Inn. The Holiday Inn, uh-huh. and um, Terry's like. You want to like get a room together and like because like Terry has been so resistant oh, yeah, to yeah, yeah. Um, right. what was the other Eunice. to Eunice's kind of like not advances but being like hey you want to like talk about like the bang sesh that we had the yeah. other night and she's like fucking what I don't know what you want to talk about and then like you know when there's an opportunity to like on the taxpayers money she's like come on let's you think that's what it was uh, oh oh hell so? you guys yeah. didn't interpret it that way I saw that as a total just like. Well, you know, she, here. she got kind of a stroke of, a stroke of a little, you know, horny, and she, wow. wanted, <laughs> yeah. and she wanted to, like, be like, hey, let's just, let's just do it. You've been asking for, her. talking about this, let's talk about it in this room, with one right. bed. Right. Yeah, it was so hard to see Terry say to Eunice, and I think she meant really well when she said this, but to say, I don't regret it, but I wish it never happened. And that really bummed me. Yeah, out. Like literally, have like another like maybe yeah. hour left of driving. <laughs> so right. It's yeah. like okay. Now yeah. what are we talking about? <laughs> Want some on the radio? And I also, Do you like David Bowie? Yeah. <laughs> I also wonder too if Terry already was starting <clears throat> to get the vibe that Eunice might be pursuing a different route than she was. I think it's a more and of an anxiety. 
Sure. And yeah. she was like, well, maybe I can calm her and keep her like under control and not go rogue and try to save these kids. Maybe mm-hmm. we can just do our jobs here, but maybe I need to like make her a little complacent. Set her straight. Right. Yeah. Right. Ooh. <laughs> Punny. Wow. I, not think, <laughs> I think, I think with their relationship and there's only so much we can surmise with what we're given, but I think that it's something that is a drunken thing that happened. And usually the sober fallout of that is just being confused. Being yeah. like, should that have happened? Should it not happen? Do I want to do it again? Well, they seem like they're too into it, so I'm going to say no. And then right. when I think about it, and like there's an opportunity to get a hotel room together, maybe maybe we've done it once before. I think that's, do it again, that's part of know? it, too, is you know, in admitting like she doesn't regret it. Like Terry was obviously into it, but from a professional standpoint, like it's not good for it. either of them for yeah. that, something like that to happen. So, And we don't know this as of now, but you could possibly infer that Eunice might have been perceived as straight up until that encounter and because terry is clearly it's, a, it's something that could be there on a date with another woman when eunice comes into that restaurant sure. oh yeah that's so a good maybe point. terry didn't want to take the responsibility of being like the first or that's even like, that's even more yeah, i don't even know, you know if it's, like it's a lot of inference for, for sure. sure i mean that would be listen that's you're you're writing a good story yeah. Right there. And that's totally something that could be the case. But I don't think that we have enough information to nearly surmise that. But even what I'm saying, we may not have enough information to surmise that. Either, yeah. You know. Well, I think that's what all of that is what makes their relationship interesting. It's, it's what we mentioned that... in the in, at the top of when we started talking about them. It's like the, the ambiguity, but also like the breadcrumbs that they give us mm-hmm. that it's cool to have just like a story thread. I love, you know, I love shit that's just lets the audience, it, stuff that treats the audience as intelligent people. Mm-hmm. It was just like here's a little, you 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 little grain of it. Yeah, sit you on this, you on, yeah. on that. Yeah, right, right. And it does a lot for the pacing of the show. That the way that they handle it, they they tell a lot by yeah. only spending small amounts of time on these guys. It's of not things. like Daredevil, um, the Netflix series, where like you, you have a scene with like Fozzie, oh. and you're just like, this is the most boring shit yeah. I've ever seen in my entire life. They really beat Foggy? the death out of Foggy. Them. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna just go ahead and stop you. I don't care. <laughs> Fair. When Fozzie Bear shows up, Fozzie, when the Muppet shows up, I would... <laughs> no, it's the Karen for me. The Karen's kind of what like waylays. Oh, themselves. they're both not good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the other couple of characters that we haven't really touched on yet to a great deal is the professor, the the home that they sneak into. I don't know uh, if he is worth exploring. Right. I don't know if you guys lo- really enjoy. Well, I'm glad he's scenes. dead. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Very brief. Mm-hmm. I think his mom has more screen time than he really does. I think he does too. You but see, I think like, she, a picture of him I think lot, she's but... the kind of the more interesting thing to talk about, you know? Because right. you kind of get all you need to get with him. He's a bad dude. He's a bad dude. With the prof- the professors, Jonathan Harris, right? And then because I think there are two, there are multiple people that were on this show that were also in Peep Show. He's um, a professor Clive Coke, played yeah. by Jonathan Harris. Right. Yep. And he was on Peep Show. Um, I believe you are correct. Yes. Oh, he was in Sherlock as well. A lot of yeah. He was in he was in Peep Show, but also um, well done too. Oh hey. Um, the detective that James speaks to very briefly when he gets like he turns himself in. Yes. That guy also, I think, had a role on Peep Show. Like there are a lot of like very very, he's a very brief yeah yeah. But there are a lot of like very recognizable British faces on the show. That that's cool because it's um 
in England, it premiered on Channel 4, which is, like, one of their main, like... Like their NBC Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think in terms of um, Clive... Clive. Clive. Uh, you know, there's not much to talk about him specifically. What surrounds him is very interesting. Well, it's like you, know? you said before, it's the, the sort of projection of what James could be. Yes, for sure. And then, you know, by... by Killing him and killing that projection, he also dashes what he would have wanted. Right. He realized that he does not want that. And specifically, I like there's a lot there in that scene where James kills the professor to protect Alyssa. Yeah. But in killing him, showers Alyssa in blood mm-hmm. and like totally destroys this fantasy that he has of murdering Alyssa because he sees Alyssa covered in blood. She, she, what the death could and, have looked like. And yeah. Exactly. And in this action of protecting her and just realizes like it completely shatters the illusion that he has mm-hmm. of himself as a psychopath. And like then they go to the two of them like cleaning up the mess and like, right. it really sinks in for James. Like everything I thought about myself yeah. was wrong. Well, also seeing the blood spill onto Alyssa... Is also this, like, he thought the killing was just for him. Right. And then he, like, is suddenly made aware of, like, this is going to influence, like, pretty much every person that I know. Even if I don't think I care about them. Right. Yeah. It's not going to just be me. Right. Yeah. He learns a valuable lesson in getting a kill, but it's almost... It's good that he killed Clive, who is a bad person. Right. So it teaches him a lesson. Maybe season two of uh, End of the Fucking World will just be Dexter. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, you know... <laughs> It'll be British Dexter, and finally... Well, we it's, can, it's uh, what season five should have been, is him and... Um, What's-her-face just going around killing people? Lumen? Lumen, that is her name. Oh, God. That <laughs> season sucks. What an awful season of television. I'm, already, I'm still working on my spec script for what the last season of Dexter... Season five should have been, been. yeah. Uh, what the last season of Dexter should have been is called season four of Dexter. <laughs> I could have uh, listen. Disagree. My, my pitch that. is good. My pitch is good. I'm telling you. Okay. Sure. Until, we'll talk about it off the off the mic. I don't want right. to steal yeah, my yeah, juice. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to. You when don't want to let that the secrets out there. Listen, yeah. in twenty in twenty twenty five, when Robert Anderson's writing the Dexter reboot, the retcon of Dexter. Uh, don't at, don't reboot, at me. It just takes place <laughs> yeah. right after season four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just rebooting the bad part, Dexter. Uh, <laughs> We can keep weird season three during the writer's strike. I'll let you guys have that. It was okay. It was uneven, but it, it was okay. It, it is definitely okay. Yeah. It's, it's just okay. not good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't reach the same highs. The reason the writer's strike, you know, impacted Fucked a over. lot of shows. Yeah, that's that why year. Scrub yeah. Scrub stopped being good. It was that's like that was why. a that was, that was that was on the trail happened. to be one of the greatest sitcoms Comedies of all time. Well, and then yeah. the writer's strike happened. And Heroes crashed and burned Heroes, than any ro- show Robot I've Chicken I remember like was real strong and then the writer's strike happened and it came back a little even, not as strong even Lost very near and dear to my heart had yes. some some stumbles mm-hmm. during yeah. the writer's strike like season 2 season 3 well season was that season 3 of Arrested Development was during the right that, that makes sense season 3 is still so good it's rougher than it's season different. 1 and 2 it's different. It's shorter. Having just watched it. It's definitely not as good as one and two. I still really like it. I guess maybe I just really like callbacks. Sure. Fair. I mean, they'd already had seeded like most of those jokes. <laughs> one it just two. writes itself. Basically. It's pretty much. It's you can put it into yeah. an algorithm and it makes it pretty exactly. good. Shoot out this joke. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so maybe there's not a whole lot to say about Clive and his mother definitely is interesting. This whole show yeah. is kind of a show oh, yeah, showing right. bad parenting. 
Oh, what for happens sure. when parents are trying to coddle, the, coddle their children to the point of insanity? I mean, right. it's, it's heartbreaking when, you know, because Alyssa and James do kind of the right thing with what they do. They're not mm-hmm. doing the wrong thing. She's she, she He's killed in an act of defense. And if anyone wants to be like, well, you know, he should be, be put on trial. He shouldn't get stabbed. He's just a pedophile murderer. Well, no, that was self-defense. Yeah, I mean, I'm just like, like, nah, like, fuck that. Like, that guy should be dead. Yeah. And they clean up the mess, and they put all the evidence around him, and then, you know, the person who found it just happened to not beat the cops. I mean, right, if you right. want to say what they should have done, they should have just called the cops right away. That would have probably been the better option. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're a nerd, at the same time, if you're a nerd that doesn't want the, the second half of the show to continue, that's... <laughs> You're just yeah. like, I'm very morally appealed by this. Yeah. Turn that off right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, if only they weren't 17. Yeah. yeah <laughs> they were just thinking. <coughs> but yeah, so their journey leads them to the the godsend, this person who Alyssa thinks is going to solve all of their problems. They reach the end of the who world. Is her dad, the end yes. of the world. Mm-hmm. Yes. <coughs> like literally on a beach, mm. which it, is it so very much looks like kind of the edge of the world. I mean, they like they that. say it, yeah. and uh, but it, it it totally I you know it's not one of those things where you're like, oh, it kind of looks like like you didn't figure it out. They say, it and you're like, oh, you're right. this does feel like on the edge of something. And yeah, that's where the show is at that point. If you're on mainland England, there's you don't have to drive very far to get to a <laughs> to get coast. To the end of the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why is that why everyone thought the world was flat for so long? <laughs> this <No>. is it. <laughs> Some people Weird still do. Yeah, well, it's an oblong spheroid. Oblate spheroid. I don't care. <laughs> well, I'm going to fight you and be like, it's oblong. Listen, there is one <laughs> and you. only one thing I remember from Earth, eighth grade earth science. It's The world is an oblate spheroid, and I will remember that till the day I die. It's a funny word. Thank you, Mr. Clifford. That's good. Thank That's you again. Thank you, uh, Mr. Clifford, again, for listening to Story Screen. Oh, really yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Sharing it with Big your fan, students. Mr. Clifford. You know? He's <laughs> a good guy. He was old when I was in eighth grade, and he's still teaching, and he's he's exactly the same as he was then. Is he so, still old? So good for him. Yes, he's doing well. He's still yeah. old. Believe he's it or not. Still old. He I, thought he wanted, <laughs> I thought once you hit tenure, you get a Benjamin Button like ticket. You Maybe. start going the, you start going the other way. I don't way. know. You know he's keep, he keeps on keeping on. What can I say? Now I'm 30 and things are weird. So anyway, Leslie uh, is a pretty interesting character and like kind of the culmination of all this like bad parenting that's going on throughout the show. Kind of in a weird way, like, you know, he's he's the inciting um, incident in Alyssa's life, not in a narrative sense, but in Alyssa's life that makes her who she is. It is it is Leslie who does that. It's the damage that he imparts on Alyssa and her mother that leads everything that... Gwen goes through. I mean, you can't entirely blame it on him, no. but, right. but but we we talked like, about that. Before, yeah, we yeah. did talk about that. That is probably largely what leads to everything that goes on with right. Gwen and Tony, and and what leads Alyssa to eventually leave the house. So. Right. And then I think, as all of us when we were younger, I think all you want when you're a kid is to have a friend. Right. Have your parent be a friend. Right. And yeah. then once you get older to a point of wisdom, you're like, no, I'm really glad they were a parent and not a friend. And then they kind of become and your friend, I think, when you get a little they bit do. older. Yeah. Yes. And then you kind of age out of that and you're like, they can be my parent and my friend. But they've already done the parenting part because I'm old enough to be an adult myself. Yes. And yeah, finding Leslie, of course, Alyssa is like, finally, you this is what friend. I've been looking yeah. for. But at, at my friends, point, yeah. Alyssa really needs a parent. Absolutely. And Leslie has never been a parent to her. And then or to he anyone. tries to be her friend. And as soon as it starts to 
lean towards him actually needing to be a parent, he totally shirks the responsibility. Right. Yeah, it happens so quickly. It's, it's all the bar scene, too. Like, yeah. that's where, right. you know, push comes to shove and right. he leaves. Right. And leaves, a, you know, a, just a path of destruction in his way besides just a dead dog, you know. And mm-hmm. his two children left the bar. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also with that scene, um, maybe as like a, just a, just a aside from Leslie for a moment, we have the uh, uh, James, they have to put the dog out of its misery, basically. But James has that flashback to him killing a cat, like in cold blood, basically. And I, I think that scene's really powerful is him like hugging Alyssa and crying and Alyssa having to do what James has done many times before. Right. And I think that's one of my favorite and more powerful moments of the show. Well, it's James after he's had this realization that he's in fact not a psychopath. Changes, and, yeah. and it was the the idea that he had of himself that was yeah. leading him to, you know, butcher animals in his youth mm-hmm. and then past the scene where he murders a professor and he realizes like this illusion that I've had of myself is completely wrong. Yeah. He can't do it. Even like, you know, the hand that he puts into the deep fire to not feel anything is the hand that him and Alyssa hold. Yeah. Right. You know, he feels yeah. something finally. It's yeah. holding that burnt hand. You know? At first she says, not your gross hand. And then she gets over it. Yeah. yeah this the cinematic language of the show is in it's one of the best looking shows I've ever yeah, seen. There's so much going incredible. on in a very, very tightly written and, and made show. Like it's a two hour long show and, and so all of this is going much. on. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, it just looks amazing when they're like walking around in the woods. It's very, yeah. um, where the wild things are kind of. Yep. And there's like that one scene where, like Moonrise Kingdom yeah, it's very, well, it's very Wes Anderson-y, especially some of the earlier episodes where they have like. Kind of flashbacks, and and they're like you know when when he's talking about the animals he kills, it's like that like oh, that either, frame where it just yeah. pops in <laughs> with the rams. Oh, I love like that So show. Wes Anderson, it's so good. But that's if you're gonna pull from something, that's great. That you know? is good. I love how James's house as well. When Elizabeth sees it, she's like, "Why are there so many windows?" And it's like literally you dissected a house in half, and you can like see into yeah. all of the house. <laughs> it's like yeah, this is like setting up perfectly for what I want it to be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just kind of want to mention that. But yeah, it gets back on Leslie. Yeah, he's a bad dude. I mean, like, it's it, I don't really know like, too much else to say about him besides he's just like the, the pinnacle example and like yeah. the last straw. Yeah, and it makes you sense know. for him to be kind of the third act. Like, and the, the at world's like, end, yeah. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Well, too, yeah, just to have Alyssa's journey lead her to another dead end, of course, what draws you into a story and what drives the story is the promise of something better right. and of course obviously when you get there we all knew it wasn't going to be good yes but her finding out that it wasn't good and then was worse even than what she had at home that was awesome to right. see that yeah and it's that ultimate final betrayal that Alyssa has with leslie that they she realizes that the really the only thing that I have going for me is my relationship with James now, yeah. and they right. they kind of learn to rely on them on each other and themselves. I think that's like a really powerful like romantic aspect of the show. Yeah, the last like real scene of the show where they're <clears throat> you know the cops are coming. Leslie has a knife in his leg and has kind of set them up for reward money because he's again a giant piece, piece of shit. shit. Uh-huh. Um, and I think one of my other, like, one of my favorite lines of the show, like, Alyssa is, like, looking at, um, God, I keep forgetting her name. Uh, not Eunice? Terry. Eunice? Eunice. Yeah. I want to say Ulysses, and I know that's not right. <laughs> she's, she's, like, she's looking, she's talking to uh, Eunice. She's, like, are me and James going to have to go to separate places? Like, we're going to go to separate jails? She's, like, 
yeah, like probably she's like, sorry, gotta go. Like not doing it. And I was like, I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's so powerful. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think I want to talk about the ending and how I think poetic the ending is with James getting shot. And for as much as I love all these characters and I want to see more of these characters and I want to see more of the story, I think it is a it would be a disservice to this show as a whole to continue it. I don't, I'm curious whether or not you guys agree. I, I did, by the I, way, look up what I said before um, and double check, fact check myself because what I had said about the season two stuff was all kind of hearsay stuff. Yeah. Sure. As far as um, anything's been reported on so far, they're talking about it because of how gotcha. successful it is, mm-hmm. um, especially as it's come to Netflix and has reached like an American audience because it came out on Channel 4 like in October. Yeah, a few months ago. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, it's been out for a, a little bit. A little bit. Um, but. Uh, the so the the graphic novel ends with James getting shot and he dies in the graphic novel. Oh, okay. Um, and the showrunner has been talking to like has been in talking conversation to the author with the author and the writer of the show. Hold on, I had all their names a second ago. Um, but uh, right, showrunner uh, Charlie Covell is the name of the writer of the show. Um, so there, this article is them talking about how she would have to kind of pull from her own imagination to continue on the story mm-hmm. sure. that Charles Forsman was the name of the, the writer of the graphic novel. Okay. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think the, the show is so like tightly written and self-contained that it would sort of be a disservice to continue it on, even though I really love these characters and would like to see more of them. I don't think that... <clears throat> I think that's a totally fair interpretation. I do, uh, I think we've talked about it before, and normally, there are plenty of times where I have agreed with you, where, like, just let a good thing be a good thing. Like, Mm -hmm. don't try and, like, make a universe, make a franchise, like, just make it so we don't want it anymore. I mean, it's just a human trait to want more of something that you like. I mean, even, like, I'm looking at uh, Burgess' copy of Watchmen on on my bookshelf right now, and, like, Watchmen was so great for so long, and then the movie came out, and then they started doing before Watchmen and after Watchmen, and, like... Now there's gonna be a show. And there's just like these things we didn't necessarily. Well, you know, the show could be okay, but yeah, like you know, there's definitely room for it to be better. But than like, the movie. but I think I think yeah. more yes. But I think like you know, yeah. these other uh, prequel and after graphic novels that were not written with like Alan Moore's blessing. You know, right. it's just like, well, what the fuck do I want that for? Right. I do think with End of the Fucking World, I think that there are places for these characters to go that are interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't think that char- I don't think that James's character, as I mentioned earlier, is fully resolved. I don't think someone like that can make a one eighty. And if you choose to not let him die, I think there's a lot of interesting places for him to go. Um, but that being said, like I don't want to see a season two where him and Alyssa break up to get back together again, mm-hmm. and like that's like the the central conflict, which I could see being an easy out. But I've also, you know, it's hard to predict what really good writers write. Yeah, it's not us yeah. for uh, it's not up to us to write it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and there are definitely spaces for them to go. Mm-hmm. But um, I I would be totally satisfied if this was like the end <clears throat> end of the fucking world. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's fair too. What do you think, Brian? I think the the writing is so solid in this show, and the acting is so wonderful that I, and I don't say this often, I trust them to give us a second season. If they're going to give a second season, that is worthwhile and exciting and engaging. However, I do find that these characters are 17. 
there is definitely a mindset of like thinking every little travesty that you encounter is the end of the fucking world. Yeah. And these characters will soon age out of that mindset. Mm-hmm. And that would strip the show of any of it any of its integrity, I think. It's true. So I think if you're gonna give us a little bit more, I'd be happy with seeing maybe a few more seasons, but I definitely want them to put it to rest in a timely fashion. Yeah. When it still makes sense. And it's still engaging. If they came out being like, we're gonna do a two more season arc. And then the show's over. I'd be like, "Cool, yes, good. like give me that." Yeah, yeah. not like right. a like Stranger Things is kind of like on a. Well, did they say they're going to do five seasons? It's difficult with Stranger Who Things, knows? right? Yeah, and yeah. even like with season two, the more I think about it, and like my mom just watched uh, Stranger Things season one and two, and she listened to our podcast, which is Aww. sick. Yeah. Oh no, great. your mom listened to our podcast. Yeah. She, oh, she we got to be careful of the things we say. I literally said I would fight my dad on this episode. So. Oh, no. <laughs> so I don't know I'm so sorry, so. Robert's uh, mom. My mom is very sweet. Um, my dad is also a nice guy, but right, he's, right. he's a hard ass. Um, sure, they would like me if they met me in person. Didn't just listen to well, that's, me that's, on a podcast. That's, that's, that's what you, that's what you think, sure Bernadette. I'm not sure would like me from just listening to me on a podcast. I mean, I made punch jokes, so yeah, <laughs> maybe give me the I I don't think we should at all. I think we should embrace those. Embrace those. Yes. But she, or no, I Stranger know. Things. Stranger Things is watching Stranger Things. She likes it. But the more I think about Stranger Things season two and how it is much, I feel like it's so much of a. It's a bridge that starts with dealing with the aftermath of season one, and a bridge that ends with setting up season three. The more I'm just like, I'm not into that as you much. You just kind of want an ending. Yeah, it's just well, I just like you know, don't worry about the future or the past. Like, give me a story. In this universe for the now, you know? I think season two of Stranger Things does a fairly good job of having its own self-contained story that both acts as a sequel to the first first season and a bridge to the third yeah. season. I don't mean to sound dismissive and say, like, it's bad, but the more I kind of think about, like, those elements of it, they're not my favorite. That show in particular does feel like a a trilogy kind of show. Like yeah. A third, a third se- season that would be. And, that, and then we're done, yeah. yeah. I would also like to see those kids, like, grow up and age into those roles. It's different than of the fucking but, world, for sure. It's a different animal. But yeah. I don't bring it up as an example because I do, like, in, in the same thing with, like, Breaking Bad, where it's, like, they got to a certain point, they're like, we're doing five seasons, and we're we're done. Yeah. Right. And, like, you know, I like, it's, it's the same, it, I like miniseries, I like shows where they, they tell you what the ending is. Sure. Like, the number is just like, listen, we're not, this is not a show that's supposed to go on forever. Like, we're gonna, it has an ending. And then if we choose to explore that world in different ways, right? We do that, and that and that works for me way more. You know, I agree. It's the integrity to the series as a whole, rather mm-hmm. than the money chasing. And it's like art, artists, hype. artists all know, like you know, there's like a half life on ideas. You can only keep the thing in the Tupperware for so long, you know. So it's like, give it its best run. Give it its best run, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. don't and don't try to do like an overkill. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, push the show. Put that one to bed. Yeah. <laughs> And I hope Mr. Robot has the same trajectory as well. I think they said five that. seasons, right? I think yeah. they're like, that's what we're doing. And like, listen, they're about to hit season f- four. Four. And uh, this is the point where they can start introducing some new stuff to and end it. it yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, that is cool with me. Definitely. I'm with that. So. Mm-hmm. But I do think there are places for these characters to go. Absolutely. And I'm kind of glad that none of us really have an idea of what we want those characters <clears throat> to do or yeah. see. I think yeah. it's nice that we're just kind of like, we want to see it go on because we're interested, but we're open to anything. My main us. thing is I would like to see James not fully be healed from his past. Sure. 
And I think him maybe getting separated from Alyssa would bring back his sociopathic tendencies a little bit. That's a, that's yeah. an idea. Him yeah. going to jail, like, and being separated from her. Him learning how to be bitter. Him learning, like, the world's not as bright without the one bright thing that I had. And maybe him reverting. Right. Um, right. I think is I think it would be an interesting place to take the show, you know. Yeah, without that is true. his warm body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> there you go. That's my girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with you mm-hmm. guys. Any closing thoughts that you feel you need to say? I really like the show, and I think talking about it like this and kind of, like, putting a magnifying glass on sort of the clockwork interactions that are going on between it's all so those characters. It's, it's so It is remarkably good. tight. And, yeah. again, got to stress, like, how brief the show is and yeah. how it feels like there is really an arc and a trajectory that is meaningful for almost every single one of the characters on the show. Absolutely. In, within a two-hour time span is, like something really special i think and i think it's easy to recommend to anyone because you can say like you can sit down and finish this whole entire season in the time that it would take you to watch a movie right i don't know how anyone could watch that first episode and not want to know what's gonna happen next yeah. oh absolutely like, i don't i don't fuck like sh- show me a person who's just like yeah i wasn't into that and like you're f- well, what is wrong with you well yeah you know something's not for everybody but uh <laughs> well, you know you're so nice Jeff. those of discerning tastes probably would want to continue this show right yeah. right yes the very nice it's the nicest said. way I <laughs> yes yes i uh, i concede to your your nice words <laughs> <laughs> well uh thank you listeners for tuning in You said my handwriting was bad, huh? My handwriting's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. My handwriting looks like it makes yours look like somewhere wrote it. Well, you didn't ask for my cipher, so. Who was Jessica Barden in The Lobster? Uh, I think she was the girl with the nosebleed. Oh, the nosebleed girl. Yeah, we'll talk about it. What are you doing? Okay, look at this handwriting. No, no, no. My Watchmen notes. My Watchmen notes are really fucking drunk. And he's gonna step to me. Hold on, hold on. My Watchmen notes. I was really fucking drunk when I was writing those. Because I was on vacation. My handwriting's not good, but like Heath's handwriting is worse than either of those. So. Oh well, yeah. Heath is. And mine is neater than those. You know, Heath is a man of music. He, of course, he has not great handwriting. Read, you could read what this shit says, you know? I could read any of this because no, I have trained with the best. Opposite day?